Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hello and welcome to another episode during our little winter break here in January of 2019. We are running a recording from last year with Tim Eggerbraten, the singing carp from Detroit Lakes. You probably know him from um, Long Bridge uh, or many other uh, locations where he performs uh, during the summer. And this was a very nice recording we uh, gladly uh, like to share with you again. Um, stay tuned uh, for that and also we like to share that we have uh, released our promised new website uh, drive to lakelifeweekend.com and uh, it looks uh, very much more uh, like an online magazine format um, the layout has changed just this weekend uh, it, it, we like it uh, we hope you like it too give us your feedback you can always reach us um, at hello at lakelifeweekend.com we like to hear from you and also stay connected and uh, check out our Instagram account Lake Life Weekend um, we have uh, a new uh, addition to our group it's Oscar our small Munsterlander uh, dog uh, he's a puppy uh, the breed is a small Munsterlander Munsterlander um, he's in fact sitting on my lap right now yawning he's cute little puppy uh, he keeps me us busy um, he comes to our office every day and we are yes we are potty training him but he's doing really good he listens quite well he sleeps a lot still and he enjoys the the snow and winter outside right now um, yeah follow us on Instagram to see Oscar in action and um, yeah if you have any pictures to share uh, feel free to email us your dog pictures cat pictures lake life pictures anything and uh, yeah uh, I don't want to keep this much longer um, please go to our website check that out uh, stay tuned for more on our upcoming expo in March and now uh, here Tim Eggerbraten the singing cop from Detroit Lakes tell his lake life story thank you for tuning in have a great ahead yeah welcome to our interview part I'm sitting here with Tim Eggerbrauten. Hello, Tim. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, thank you very much for coming. Uh, Tim uh, was the chief of police in Detroit Lakes and uh, finished his uh, police career, uh, I think, a year ago, and yep. now f becomes became a musician or continued his passion as a musician. And yeah. we want to talk about both. But before we speak uh, about law enforcement and then music, Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where are you from? Are you from Lakes Country originally? I am not. I'm from Fisher, Minnesota originally. It's the uh, center of the universe. <laughs> and uh, we... Oh, it is? No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, just right between Crookston, Minnesota and Grand Forks, North Dakota. And uh, so very flat, uh, no trees, rivers, and uh, beet fields. And a beautiful area, but... Uh, so I grew up there and went to Moorhead State University after that and married my high school sweetheart. And uh, we had ne never really had any intentions of living in Detroit Lakes. I actually hadn't even been into Detroit Lakes other than 
my parents had a cabin in Bemidji, Minnesota, and so we would come through on Highway 10 and we would hit Highway 34, and that was my knowledge of, of Detroit Lakes, just that Highway 10 to 34. And, and uh, when I graduated from Moorhead State in 1989, I started applying for jobs and I was working as a correctional officer in Moorhead at the time in, in the Clay County Jail. And so I just started applying and I wanted a, a town of 30,000 or more. I, I wanted a bigger, bigger town that I thought I would work in. So I picked like the Minneapolis and the Mankatos and uh, Grand Forks Police Department and all these different um, agencies. And I just applied everywhere, literally. Sure. And uh, Detroit Lakes had an opening. So I, I took the test. I didn't know much about it. And so I thought, well, I'll just take the test for the testing experience. And and I got an uh, interview, and Walt Tollefson was the chief of police at the time. And uh, so I had an, in, several interviews and ended up getting a job offer. And uh, Chief Tollefson and Captain Ed Schmidt sat down with me, and they said, well, it's a pretty good chance you'll retire here. You know, if you start working here, you're going to retire here. You're going to love it. And I just smiled and said, you bet. And <laughs> I had no intentions of staying. I honestly didn't. I thought I would work a year or two and get some experience and then move on to uh, Moorhead Police Department was my dream job. Uh, I, I knew all the guys there, um, and it was that was my dream job. And shortly after I started working in Detroit Lakes, uh, like two weeks after, I got a job offer from Mankato, and I got a job offer from Grand Forks Police Department. And I put both of those on the back burner, and I said, you know, let me try Detroit Lakes here for a year or two. And That was when, in 1990? Uh, 1992. Okay. Yep. So, 89, I graduated, and I went to school after that, too, and uh, worked at the jail. And so, in 1991, I started applying. In 1992, then, I got the job offer and in Detroit Lakes and turned down Grand Forks and Mankato. And it was literally, we were renting a house... Uh, kind of by holiday gas station and uh, it was literally about two months into living here that uh, I started July 1st of 1992 and it was busy July uh, the 4th of July was crazy at that time and uh, still just I mean tens of thousands of people came to town and it took us three hours to drive from County Road 6 and Westlake Drive up to uh, Washington Avenue and Highway 10 and it was solid traffic and it was crazy and it was fun <laughs> and for a new cop starting out uh, it was amazing I mean it had every I was in a high-speed pursuit my third day on the job and and yeah. so all these things going on and it was it was fun and about two months into it uh, we realized we were home and so we bought our first home our the house we still live in really we bought that in December of 1992 and we just absolutely fell in love with the lake, the the 412 lakes within 25 miles. And because growing up in Fisher, the closest lake was Mentor, uh, uh, the lake over there. Can't even think of the name right now, but uh, for dumb. But so it was that was our closest lake, and it was a half an hour away. And everybody went to that lake, and and it was crazy, and and it was just the way it was but even today now 25 years later we still when we're coming into town from wherever it is we're coming from we will drive into town and go by the lake uh, just because it just has that captivating 
feel and it's 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 what brought us here and it's what's keeping us here and and uh and then the people you know all the activities the community center the mountain now um all these things for a small community of nine thousand people we pack a huge punch i mean it's just it's so amazing what when the community decides something's going to happen uh it's just a, a grassroots effort uh this ice palace that we're working on now you know things like that uh keep the keep us engaged in the community we absolutely fell in love with it so what I so thought you was love leg life. Love it absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a cliche, but it's it's a beautiful it, and it's true. And it it's what uh, I, I had many opportunities through my 25 years in Detroit Lakes, a lot of opportunities to go to other communities. Um, and I always said if if something happened in Detroit Lakes where where I lost my job or they were cutting back or whatever. A place like Alexandria or Brainerd or Bemidji, you know, somewhere where there was water, uh, and and we've experimented a lot, just like hanging out in uh, these other communities too. But they, each one has its advantages and disadvantages. But Detroit Lakes, with its location, uh, we're still we go to the Twin Cities area once in a while for events or whatever. We're not too far for that. Um, the Fargo Moorhead area is close. Uh, we we have all these lakes right here with us, and and as a police officer, it had everything, um, everything that that I wanted as a police officer. It had explain that. Yep. So, uh, so like why I wanted a bigger community, like thirty thousand people. I wanted enough activity to keep occupied. You know, to keep uh, the reasons I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to help people. I wanted to uh, be busy and and do police work. Uh huh. And if I was in a, a small community that, you know, we only had a few calls a year, um, I wouldn't have liked that, I don't think. And uh, so I think per capita, you know, pound for pound, uh, a community like Detroit Lakes and Becker County were just as busy as the bigger agencies, you know, and just it's just prorated basically. And um, so in my 25 years, I got to investigate uh, homicides you know, I got to investigate, I, I say got to, you know, because I was, uh, I had the opportunity to. Uh, but, I mean, there, there was everything from from the mental health issues to suicides to homicides, um, sexual assaults, you know, the, the stuff that I really felt like I could make a difference. You know, I went through every, everywhere in my career I did, I did everything in the police department except for, uh, the school resource officer. That was the only position I never had. Um, I did investigations. I had a police dog for seven years. Mm. And, uh, you know, so I did all these things and it was fascinating. And the last five and a half years of my career, I was the chief of police. And and so that was, it was just... That's a, when I met you. Yes, <laughs> But exactly. in a good way. <laughs> yeah. No, that 4th of July when I chased you down yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I used every every phrase I knew from Hogan's Heroes. Jawohl, here come and Sprechen the Deutsch nein. No, that is just... No, it's not true. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's... Uh, yeah, keep going. Yeah, so it's... It was it was an exciting career, and it was it was everything I dreamed of. The community was very supportive of law enforcement, um, even it is, yeah, yeah, it was still very much so. And and even in the years um, where the national feel toward law enforcement felt like 
it was not so supportive. We knew that that, that was just a, a minority of people. It wasn't the it wasn't most people that felt that way about police. Um, it was just a few very vocal people, and we needed to pay attention to those voices too. We need to uh, evaluate what we were doing as as law enforcement, as a community, uh, as the entire community. So, being the chief of police, I was in, involved with the uh, at the state level for the in the chiefs of police association. So we had a lot of conversations. Um, you know, as a smaller town chief, I was shoulder to shoulder with. Uh, with a lot of the metro police chiefs and and we realized that a lot of the issues they were dealing with were same issues that we were dealing with um, on on the different scale and so we we just learned a lot about that whole thing and that was it was I even got a little taste of the national level uh, meeting chiefs and sheriffs from uh, from some of these national big headline cases and uh, oh, okay. And it was fascinating, you know, and and what I what I saw when I found in law enforcement that as a law enforcement community is that um, sure there are bad apples like in any industry in any business there were people that had no no right wearing a badge, you know, that were uh, a disgrace, and and those people we dealt with and we we rooted them out. And and a cleaning I, process, an in, internal cleaning yep, process. Yep, exactly. And it's and that's what every company does. Um, mm. No matter what, no matter what kind of entity you have, uh, it's a lot like a family. Even I mean, a, in your own family structure, uh, you you discipline your children. You have rules and, and regulations for your children, not because you're the power, but because you you want to keep them safe. And so you say, well, you have a curfew. You know, you have to be in, you know, as a family. And so as as a community, you you just branch that out a little bit farther. And it's the same principle. We, we have the rules in our society, not because to be oppressive and to say you can't do that because we said so. Uh, we have speeding, you know, speed limits. For because Yeah, because we know that people that drive fast have a higher tendency to crash. Yeah. We have rules that say you should wear your seatbelt because we know that people involved in a crash are safer that way. And so when you look at it from that perspective, and, and that was a constant challenge for me in law enforcement, was to keep putting that in, you know, in, into perspective that this is why we have the rules. There's a legislature that sets the rules. Um, and then within our own department, we have policies and procedures and uh, for the same reason, my officers, I, I loved them and I trusted them with my life, literally, and I had the ultimate respect uh, for those officers. And when I when I retired, um, I retired at the age of fifty, which okay. which a lot of people say, oh, that's so young. And uh, in Minnesota, we have the option to uh, start drawing our pension at age fifty. And if I would have gone to fifty-five, I would have gotten more of a pension back and so I took a penalty at leaving at age 50 uh, but to me it was just an opportunity to to take another step in a different direction and uh, so it was I left kind of like Michael Jordan at the top of my game I had a great staff uh, I, I cannot say enough about the men and women uh, in our whole law enforcement community there uh, the Detroit Lakes Police Department is served still by uh, proud men and women that that 
have a, uh, a burdensome job to do, but they do it in a caring, compassionate way. And, and, uh, and our emotions are there, you know, and, and good, bad, or otherwise, our emotions are there. But so when I left, it, it was just there was other opportunities that were that were uh, that I'd worked for, and it was just time to to shift gears and to uh, do more. So I was I've been entertaining as a one man band doing music for about 15 years. And before we speak about yep. that, that's that's uh, yeah, that's mainly why you're here. I'm just curious. <laughs> a couple of police uh, uh, things. Um, just uh, while I have you here. Um, it seems to be sometimes that the system, I don't know how much you know about the European police organization, I guess, or the German is the most that I know. Um, is the chief of police, is that a part of the city? Like, I, you guys are actually employed by the city and is the mayor overseeing you as, a, as an employee? In, in Detroit Lakes, uh, the mayor is the one who the chief would respond to or uh -huh. answer to. Uh, the city administrator is um, is also part of that. So it's it's a little complicated in the hierarchy. The the mayor would be the ultimate, but the mayor in Detroit Lakes is kind of a part time job. So Mayor Brank isn't in the office every day, where uh, where Mr. Clem is in the office every day, and so we we coordinate with the with the city administrator and work with the city administrator. If there's any discipline issues um, that on the chiefs, you know, that the, if, if the chief of police messes up and does something inappropriate or wrong uh, and the mayor hears about it, then the mayor would have the ultimate authority, but the mayor would work with the city administrator in coming to a resolution. Uh, it is so awkward to me because yeah. I, I think I firmly believe, I have to research that again, that in Germany it's totally independent like the executive because you are the executive of the uh, legislate of the legislative yep and uh, um, no mayor can like they could in, uh, interfere they could fire you or threaten you that's what I, I see those old movies or whatever where actually some politician can actually interfere law enforcement because he in the back room he tells you hey if you don't cover that up you fired right Theoretically, yeah, and that and that could that happen. Uh, um, that could happen, but then the mayor would ultimately, you know, have to answer to the public because we work. Ultimately, our boss is the city of Detroit Lakes, the the citizens. True. That's who our boss is. So if the citizens say, you know, we we really want to have beer on the beach, and we want to have no speed limits, and and just forget the rules, uh, if that's what the citizens cry for and they go to their elected officials and the elected officials say we're going to get rid of all of that all of these rules uh, and then the city police department then would respond to that but sure. as but then my responsibility as the chief was to to bring in facts okay well I understand that that there's a group of people that that want to allow beer on the beach you know let's just have everybody let's just have bars on the beach and that's fine And then my responsibility then is to say, okay, I know what you're saying, but let's go back to 1992 uh, when it was crazy busy, and you know, and we're not talking about the 40-year-old person who is sitting on the beach enjoying a cold beer, watching their family play in the sand. Uh, that's the image that a lot of people have. But what what may happen if we just allowed it 
um, is the the 19, 20, 21 year olds playing beer pong on the beach and getting loud and swearing and and uh, speculation. It's total speculation. Because in Europe, uh, with 16, I can drink legally yep. and I can drink in public. That's, ooh, that's yeah. unreal. I would never not be able. I can walk with a beer and you have a beer in the subway. And like it's almost embarrassing when the kids... I mean, <laughs> if, when I was 16, I had a beer in the subway or on the bus. But it's like now you, you just wouldn't do it. It yeah. was awful because nobody does it. Yeah. So the actually society cleans this up itself. So right. I'm actually surprised that certain... When we, when we in the U.S., say like uh, government like it's always this like government is bad which is not true because right. we are government actually yep. like you just described but if we we there's certain things that we that we don't allow either and we accept it which I would like to have a beer on the on the beach because I can and if there's 17 kids of 22 having this is a free country too you know right. like if they want to have beer pong and they don't harass me like okay let's uh, they will do that once right uh, twice and then it's over with yeah anyways so so but it's interesting we could i think go for long for that but, right uh, um, now just an example of, mm -hmm. of how how the system works and you know and if if the citizens said you know then they would have to go to the city council and then the city council then of the elected officials and that's just the city government now the sheriff's office is a different the sheriff is elected by the people. Directly, correct? Yes, yeah, the people elect him. We're in this, the chief of police is appointed by a civil service commission. And uh, so when Chief Todd, for example, um, our, our current chief of police, when we started a search um, for that chief of police, they opened it up and they you know had applications and everything. And when I was appointed chief of police also, um, I submitted my resume and we did interviews and and stuff like that. So, so it's a little bit different in that respect, uh, you know. And, and Sheriff Glander, you know, was was elected by the people. Does he have jurisdiction in the city? The sheriff also in the yes. city? Yes. Yep. The so sheriff by yeah. The sheriff by statute is the chief law enforcement officer of the entire county, county. In, including the city. Uh huh. Yep. So the so but. You know, we've always had a really good working relationship with the sheriff. That um, why is that too? Two well, yeah. So the chief of police runs the the city police department, and if there was an emergency, uh, if a train derailed, for example, in the, within the city limits of Detroit Lakes, uh, ultimately the sheriff would be by law command. Uh, the, in command. Oh. But we work together. You uh -huh. know, and and I've never seen a situation where the sheriff has come in and kicked the chief out and said, you know, this is my deal. You know, it's like it, in it, a movie. Yeah, like in the movies, <laughs> yep. This is the FBI. <laughs> they don't do that and it, it, it and it's we've always had such a really good relationship with the state patrol. Uh is there FBI here? Uh well in Minneapolis and Fargo. Oh, yeah, yeah, so Fargo the FBI we've worked with the FBI and we work uh quite a bit with like the Secret Service with the um mostly like fake money. Oh. Uh, so we contact the Secret Service for that, and um, it, you know. In the Tell state us a, the biggest, like the before we now talk music mm -hmm. and things. Is there like the the biggest case or the most like challenging or like the most something like big that it's, nobody knows or like that I don't know. I yeah, don't know. you know, and and everybody would know about like the big cases, but what's what's interesting is as as the years progress, what's more challenging for law enforcement is the computer technology crimes and. They're very hard to uh, to investigate. 
and very hard to prove and a lot of times they're coming from another country and so we're involving all these different things so you know we had the a lot of people say well it's uh detroit lakes i'm surprised that you wear bulletproof vests you know and and you know comments like that and uh it's you don't have to look too far to see police officers that have been involved in shootings and you know becker county has had several in the last few years and where our own becker county deputies have been involved uh with shootings and uh so i mean it's real and the 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 threat is real and we would rather have a uh you know err on the side of caution for our own lives and safety and stuff but um so you know we we have the same in detroit lakes we have the same drug problems that they do in the big cities and really uh, it's you know the the drugs that are available here are available wherever else and and even in little fisher minnesota town of 400 people uh there are problems you know Mm. and um and and they're real and it's you know it's not uh the the degree at, at how bad they are is is all subjective you know or some people may say oh it's horrible and the good news is is that most people are in bed by 10:30 at night and they watch the evening news and they go to bed and uh but there's there's a life after 10:30 p.m. that that luckily and thankfully a lot of people aren't familiar with and each traffic stop that that even one of our local officers makes is um we call it uh, an unknown threat we don't call it a a routine traffic stop you know but we treat each traffic stop as an unknown threat because you just don't know you you, you I think that's terrible that's sad yeah because well we don't have, I, I i'm not used to that yeah like, i always feel i'm the threat to the policeman but, but you know not, yeah, well, you I know, know who you are, but we don't know who you exactly. are. Exactly. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. But that's so sad because, yeah. like, then I'm really becoming a potential threat as the one that, I mean, yeah, maybe I was a little fast or maybe my light is out in the back. Yeah. But but then I'm threatened again. It, it spirals up. Right. It's so sad because yeah. then I'm the potential threat. So the police officer is protecting or defensing yep. himself, herself. And then all of a sudden there's a hand by a gun and I'm like oh yeah. you know seriously because right. I don't have a gun in my car I mean yeah because you don't somebody... feel like a, you know you don't feel like you're a criminal and yeah so I know exactly what you're saying and and that's uh and that's just part of it and yeah. uh our officers for the vast majority of of the traffic stops are professional and courteous um you know even when like nowadays uh, it's not uncommon for somebody in the car to take out their cell phone and and point it right at the police officer and I'm recording you, I'm recording you and that's fine. That's your right. But, you know, and so then that right away, the officer's thinking, okay, you know, I mean, what could have been a simple traffic stop uh, for speeding or a headlight out or whatever the simple, if, if the person getting pulled over, you know, just does common sense things and keeps their hand on the steering wheel and, and, you know, we don't require yes, sir, no, sir. And and when I was working, um, I didn't expect yes, sir, no, sir, but I certainly didn't expect, you know, swearing and uh, derogatory names like pig. And, you know, and so when you hear that, and it happens, and it's so when you hear that, then it's kind of like, okay, well, what happened is just a, a innocent 
simple traffic stop now is getting escalated. And people say, well, you're you're a professional. You should just take that. Well, that's true. Uh, we're also still human. And so human emotions are going to get kicked in. And, and so that's what we, we strive and we train and we practice and we we really uh, work on all of that um, to to make sure that it's not building up. And, and the police officer that's pulling you over uh, may be going through a divorce. Their parents may have just passed away. Uh, their kids... They have a private life themselves. Yep. Their, know, their, their child may have been diagnosed with a horrible disease. Uh, so they have a, a private life. And, and as much as we'd like to be a machine and compartmentalize all of that and approach this traffic stop as what it is, is just a headlight out... Um, and you reach, you get up to the car, and you're responded by, "What is it now, officer? Don't you have anything better to do?" Well, then right away, all of that personal stuff that you're dealing with as 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 a human, and boils it boils up, and sometimes it can spill over, and sometimes our mouth can get us into trouble, and we can shoot right back with our mouth and say, "You know, well, nope, I don't have anything better to do. You might as well settle in because for the next 15 minutes, we're gonna." give you a vehicle inspection or whatever and it's not right and i'm not suggesting that that's what happens yeah i uh, get it but it's uh it's human and we we train for all of that and it's it's uh it's challenging and but on the flip side on the positive side of that whole thing it's a very rewarding career um, when we can once in a while uh, in my 25 years here uh there were a few times where i would get a letter from somebody that I had uh, dealt with. One time I got a personal visit from an individual that uh, that I had quite honestly ridden very hard. I mean, I I had uh, kept him to task on many different things. And, um, and when he finally got clean from drugs and, and started figuring out uh, which end was up and what he was gonna do with his life, uh, he came in the day that he got his um, papers from his probation officer saying he was no longer on probation and he came in and said Tim I just want to thank you for kicking my butt as a young kid uh, and keeping me on task and he said I, I hated you for a long time because of that but he said I, I can't thank you enough for it you know and and that, letters like that and people like that were few and far between but uh, I know and the older I got and the more mature I got and the more I realized um, human nature, and uh, I, I knew that I was still making a difference, and that's why I wanted to be a police officer. And even though you don't you don't hear the praise and the thank you, and you don't expect it, uh, but it's you just know that it's there. And and uh, you know, and I have a few letters like that that and responses from people that uh, that I would see out in public that would say, you know, man, you were really tough on me, and I hated your guts and. Uh, but I, I, I thank you for, you know, and because we both, all of us grow, hopefully grow and mature at some point in life. And, and what we, what we believed was true at 18 years old and at 28 and 38 and 48, uh, each year and each experience, hopefully, if we're doing it correctly, hopefully we're able to look at ourselves and honestly evaluate, um, how everything went in the past and where we're at right now and where we're going in the future and it people say they always say well you've changed 
you know, and to whoever, you know, the people say that a lot, you know, to somebody, man, you've really changed. And my response to that is, thank you. I, I sure hope I've changed because mm -hmm. if I was the same guy I was when I was six years old, uh, you know, yes, we've changed. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, so I'm, I'm changing every day and I'm, as I grow older, I, I really try to open myself up to being, look at myself uh, honestly and evaluate each day and say, okay, well, this is a great day. How can I make it better? You know, how, what am I, what am I going to do? And most of it's when you stop looking at yourself and saying, okay, how can I help Tim Agerbrotten? Uh, and, and Tim Agerbrotten looks outward and says, well, how can Tim Agerbrotten help the people that he's in co coming in contact with, then that's when things really start changing and 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 uh, moving and grooving. And it's so so through the police work, and then through my family life and music, and uh, I do motivational speaking too, and I I do so all that kind of stuff. And and it's it's exciting to see when people uh, face challenges and 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 how they adapt to their challenges and. Uh, you know, I know you don't want to talk about you, but I want to talk about you for a second. Just, uh, you know, what you've done with with this place and this podcast and 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 everything, and and how you're using your gifts, your creativity, and uh, this sound booth that we're in. Uh, you folks, if you get a chance to come down here to Perm and and check out uh, this space, it's creative and it's it's unique and it's awesome. And so you're using your gifts. To get the word out in a in an electronic format, and uh, to in just inform people about lake life and about different different aspects, and you're 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 bringing that media to hopefully tens of millions of people. Yeah, thank you. So tell your friends about this podcast. <laughs> thank you very much. We take a little break, and I would like to thank another supporter of this podcast, Jack Chivers Realty from Detroit Lakes. They know a place for you if you are thinking to live in Lakes Country, finding a home, if you like to relocate in Lakes Country, if you're looking for a recreational home, please go to jackchiversrealty.com and seek out an expert from the Chivers. They love lake life as we do and they know a place for you. Thank you. Now back to our interview with Tim Eggerbraten. But that was really fascinating and interesting. So, 25 years of law enforcement, and you you decided to leave that one successful career behind. I think yeah. everybody would agree. Is you almost you reached chief, right? And uh, and now you grab the energy that you have uh, and the experience, and you uh, uh, um, entertain. Yeah. You had. Tell us now about uh, the singing cop. Yeah. I don't know if that is a nickname. It, it, well, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be. I yeah. saw you at Longbridge, yeah. um, or heard you, I guess, both. Yeah. And so tell us, you uh, you always made music. Uh, always, how did, yeah. Always, uh, and you play the guitar, I know. Yep. You play how many instruments? Uh, well, I, for my shows, I play the guitar and, and harmonica a little bit. and then uh, Piano? Did uh, you start I, with the piano? How did I, you start? Yeah, I started like everybody else did with the recorder, the flute thing, and oh yeah, and uh, you know, and and I've been singing literally all my life. I mean, I can't remember really a time when I didn't sing, and even at a very young age, I mean, like three, four. My parents would always tell me that I was whistling before I'd learn how to speak, 
And so I, I, I really think that, you know, everybody's got gifts and there there's, people are wired differently and you have a very creative mind. Uh, Lisa Jaskin Peterson has a amazing gift with looking at a piece of empty land and putting a house on that, you know, and my wife has an incredible gift of knowing what kind of gifts to buy for people. She, she's always thinking about other people. And so she's got that gift, you know, and so everybody's got their thing. And I've been wired with with music. I mean, it, it literally, there's a song in my head all the time. And uh, if something comes up, I start singing about it. And um, So you write also music? A little bit. I've, I've written songs. I make up a lot of songs in my shows. Uh, it just it just comes naturally, and it. So you tell stories. I tell oh, stories. Oh, yep. Oh, and so I'll, I'll I'll see somebody walk in, and they maybe have a big cowboy hat on, and I'll just I'll put it right into the song I'm singing already, and I'll just start singing about their cowboy hat, and really? and it's fun to watch their reaction when they realize that I'm singing about them, and it's it's just <laughs> it's fun, and it's so I'll make rhymes and and different things. I've written a few songs um, that I've recorded. And and that's, I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. And most of my shows are, are cover music, songs okay. that other people have, have sung and, and made famous or not famous. Yeah. And so I've been singing all of my life. Uh, when I was in college, I started to play the guitar. And uh, I just loved, I was a resident assistant, yeah, RA at Moorhead State. And so I, I would uh, patrol the hallways in my dorm to make sure nobody was having parties and stuff. But I would do my rounds with my guitar because I was just learning how to play. And and I, I just loved the did reaction. They, did they respect you or you were just the... <laughs> well, it's, music breaks down so many barriers. Even uh -huh. if it's a song people don't like or, or, or a genre uh -huh. that people don't like, um, what I found as an RA is that when I had that guitar on and I was learning, I was and I wasn't a very good guitar player, and... Uh, but it was it would break down those barriers and and instantly people would start talking you know and we'd say oh, what kind of guitar is that or do you know how to play this song or whatever and um, and I would sit down in the in the dorm like at the front main reception area and just play my guitar with my guitar case open <laughs> and college kids don't have money so they would throw me crackers and put bags of ketchup in my guitar case and a couple of pennies here and there but it was just it was it was a fun I was known kind of as a singing RA you know and and then it was it's always just been a hobby and I I when I moved to Detroit Lakes I started singing in church with a group and okay and uh just always you know in, in college I sang in choir there and uh so music has always been a way to to uh to vent, you know, and and so like in police work, I, I workouts. Yeah, it was my workout. Yep. So I relied heavily on on music to um, get my frustrations out. When I was when I was happy, the music would make me happier. When I was uh, down, the music would make me happier, mm -hmm. and I could wail on it, you know, and and just get a lot of emotions out. And it was, and then not only did it help me, but I realized that it was people were affected by that, you know, mm -hmm. and people even walking by. And I've never really been uh, what I would consider shy. And uh, so I've, I've always enjoyed that and, um, and enjoyed 
how music makes people feel. And then uh, I think I was a sergeant on the police department, um, and we had a, a neighborhood block party just in our neighborhood, and and we hired a, a one-man band, uh, Dan Holt from Detroit Lakes, and and uh, Danny Holt, we hired him to come out and, and play music, and Danny was playing, and and I'm a big Dan Holt fan. I just love Dan Holt. He's a great guy, <laughs> and one of my mentors. And and I was watching Dan play, and I was thinking, man, I was looking at his equipment, and I thought he's playing the same music I love to play. I love, I love every genre of music. I really do, even rap and hip hop. And uh, I don't play that stuff, but I, I enjoy a mm-hmm. little bit of everything. And uh, so Dan was playing, and I thought, man, I could do that, you know, and. So I started buying some equipment, and uh, one of the first shows I played was uh, like an anniversary, 25th wedding anniversary for somebody, and and uh, and it was fun, and I just I enjoyed it. But I was working nights and weekends um, as a police officer, so for my, oh. you know, so I was interfered with the potential. Yeah, shows. and I never really had an opportunity to to do music, but it was just a hobby, uh-huh. and. Uh, and then I became an investigator uh, for the police department. That was my first Monday through Friday, eight to four job. Oh. And then so my nights and weekends were a little more free. And so I started doing more music and it was just all word of mouth. And, and uh, you know, I remember doing like 40 shows in a year and I thought, man, this is great. You know, I did 40 shows. That's and, a lot every week, almost. Yeah, pretty much, yep. And then. And then it kept growing. Then I was doing 80 shows a year, and then uh, got to about 130 shows a year while I was still working full time. And uh, you know, and so when I applied to be the chief of police, I was asked by uh, somebody on the interview board that, you know, do you think that this would be a conflict of interest? And I said, boy, if it is, please let me know, and I will step down from being the chief of police because I I didn't know how it would be a conflict of interest because when I was a sergeant and when I was playing my music people would come up to me and it was still breaking down those barriers where if I was in uniform a lot of people wouldn't come up and talk to me because the the uniform represents something to everybody uh, good bad or otherwise and but with the music even people that that didn't like police officers per se uh, they may like music or they may say, man, that song you played reminded me of my high school, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, or my first date or uh, or whatever. And it, and it really broke down a lot of barriers. And the shows that I do are pretty much the same for like uh, I do the family show a lot at uh, for the water carnival. So where there's little kids and I've done preschool and, and elementary you know, fun dance, sing-along things. And and that show is pretty much the same as Longbridge, which is pretty much the same as uh, I play a lot at assisted living facilities and nursing homes. And um, tomorrow, actually, I'll be at uh, Oak Crossing in Detroit Lakes. And, and it's the shows are pretty much the same. And I could see the concern if I was the chief of police and if I was, if I was up on stage... Uh, swearing and 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 getting being angry with people example. and being a, yeah oh okay but it wasn't and it yeah. was it was a it was 
fun. It was designed to be fun. It was designed to get people to to enjoy it. And and I just fell in love with with that whole thing. And and uh, the song "Brown Eyed Girl," for example, is is a song that a lot of my my artist musician friends hate. And they just refuse to play it. And uh, and I I tell them, guys, it's not about you. You know, it's not about you as the as the musician. It's about your audience, and 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 that's what I love about. Um, for example, like I was playing at Chase on the Lake in Walker, and I do I play there in a, like a Friday and a Saturday night, and I was playing one night, and I do Brown Eyed Girl like I always do, and at the end of the night, I was packing my stuff up, and and this guy approached me with uh, a few of his adult kids, and. And he said, I got to thank you for playing Brown Eyed Girl. And I said, oh, you bet. I love that song. And he took out his smartphone and he showed me a picture of his wife who had passed away about seven years ago. And he said, uh, we gather around this time every year with the kids and and uh, to remember their mother. And he showed me a picture of his wife and she said, or he said that, she had the most beautiful brown eyes, and this was her favorite song, Brown Eyed Girl. And it just, it struck me that something that I love to do, you know, play music, and Brown Eyed Girl is a fun song, and uh, uh, people get involved with it and everything, but it reached that guy and his family on a completely different level. I never would have met them had it not been for that song and that entertainment thing. And, and the older I get and the more I do it, the more I realize that there's somebody out there listening within earshot. They might not even be at the venue. They might be hearing it down the street. And, and a song that I could be playing might completely turn their day around or bring them back to a memory of a loved one or a, a special time in their life. Um, and that's, that's, that's a power that... that of a gift that I've been given and I need to share that and I love sharing it and it's it's a win-win-win for everybody and I just I love that that power I love it I the more I, I hear and, and the more I understand because I knew you but I didn't know all those details about yep. you um, so and I have quite a few artist friends I used to be an art dealer so I have a lot of friends who are artists by painting or photography or, or, or video not singing really but um, it's all about expression right. uh, and now that's why I also asked um, uh, cover or, or writing is um, if I was an artist or how I <coughs> understand artists uh, isn't it now the right moment or the chance maybe because you have the time you have probably have momentum uh, uh, and uh, with your motivational um, ambition or, or, or job I should say also yeah. Could, isn't it the right time now to actually um, write your own poem, art, music, and then tell tell me even more instead of only covering? Right. Like, you understand? Oh, yeah. Because if you want to have an impact and if you feel like how happy it is to touch me or this family that you just described, yep. uh, you could now potentially soon or, or whenever share your life experience and in singing right right is oh yeah so you do you work on an album or like is there something where you say like yeah yeah you know like in the next five years i do have a goal of is that is that something that you work on or 
uh, yeah i have three albums right now that i've recorded and oh, really? uh yep and so and so the last two that i did uh there was one original song on each one and oh. and actually the first one and the third one that i did uh had an original song but yeah i know exactly what you're saying and and uh and i've thought a lot about that and so when i do a uh motivational presentation i just did one a couple weeks ago and uh down in the cities and i incorporate music into that and what i what i love to do is um like for a conference that an organization is having um usually they have like a hospitality night where they people are getting together and they're socializing and so what i what i've done before and what i really love to do is to entertain that night get to know some of the people on a social level and then the next day deliver a keynote presentation and that way it gives me some credibility like oh that's the guy from last night that that played whatever song and then i i will do music and and that's my goal is to get more original stuff in there and i want to adapt that music like you said with with uh, some wow. real life experiences and because um, everybody's got a story to tell everybody does i don't care who you are uh, each person has a story to tell and each person's story would benefit somebody if if somebody else heard it but not everybody is comfortable with sharing their story and mm. uh, not everybody's comfortable about standing in front of a group of strangers and and really exposing themselves uh their their flaws and their what makes them tick you know and and i am and i'm i'm so it's it's a natural progression for me to go from the music to the speaking and then now marry the two together and have because uh, the speaking part i can reach a lot more people um through that using the same uh it's 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 a motivating thing and it's about our attitudes and our decisions that we make and and how we can how we can take people and that's the same thing when i'm in front of an audience of couple hundred people and I'm talking I know that there's a nugget that's that's going to stick with somebody they might they may not remember my name two months later or two hours later uh, but I want them to leave with that feeling of empowerment something will click Mm. I give them a little coin and and uh, when I'm done and they take this coin and maybe two years later they'll see that coin and they'll have no clue who I was but they'll remember that they have a choice in their attitude and they'll remember bits and pieces of of my presentation and that to me is is so powerful also and uh but yeah i i totally agree with what you're saying about that that music piece and 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 sharing more of that uh into your original stuff yep exactly music Okay, so we, we, we may be hearing more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. That's, yeah. the, that's the dream. Yeah. yeah. When is your next uh, um, public um, show in Detroit Lakes area? Uh, you know, this Hitting time... Spring or winter is a little... Yeah, winter I'm busy, but it's mostly private parties. Yeah. Um, so are you going to be on Longbridge? Uh, uh, are you there every Thursday? I will be Thursday there this... Or nope, not every, uh, nope, I'll be there this summer. If you go to my website, offdutychief.com. Oh, really? Offdutychief.com. Uh, and then as my schedule on there, my music schedule and my speaking schedule, and cool. and then uh, it's yeah. So I mean, it's it's uh, I'll play at the Holiday Inn and the uh, Long Bridge, um, you know, a bunch of different outside venues. And those are another one, like when I'm when I'm playing at the Holiday Inn or at Long Bridge or or anywhere outside, 
and I'm, I'm playing music and I'm looking out the water and I can hear the boats coming up and I can see people half a mile away on their pontoon and I'll start singing about them and I'll see them waving their arms, you know, and uh, I mean, it is just, it's, it is so unbelievable. And that's, again, that's one of those draws to Detroit Lakes that, that I think separates us from a lot of communities um, along Highway 10 or anywhere in Minnesota. It's just uh, uh, absolutely, there's something here all year round, you know, in, in this area. And uh, even where we're at now in Purim, I mean, this, you talk about a little community that packs a punch. Uh, they they are just moving and grooving in this town. And in Ottertail County and Becker County and, and this whole Lakes Country area is just, uh, there's a lot to be had. And, and you can see the, the draw that, you know, people that live in Fargo and work in Fargo and West Fargo and um, it's it's a that's a great community also, uh, but they come here to, to visit to rejuvenate. And and we have a saying, uh, my wife and I and our family and and our friends that and we we're not bragging, but we we just say we live here. Mm-hmm. We you know and that's and we say it. We even my wife and her friends have it on their stockings now. They <laughs> gave stockings that said we live here in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, and. And it's and it and we believe it and it's it's uh, it's true that uh, when you come here and it's just so I mean people people drive up here from Nebraska to visit and to spend a week and we're thinking oh we hate to see you leave on Sunday but bye bye you know and we're not leaving on Sunday we you know Sunday nights on the boat are like some of the best nights ever and and uh, so yeah it's there's a lot to be said about this community and this this whole area and it's just it's uh, it's incredible. So in the, the live music opportunities seem to be growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of, as uh, a pendulum on that, where several years ago it was pretty unique. Um, and now more and more venues are, mm-hmm. are offering that live entertainment. And just something about walking into a restaurant and uh, whether it's a, a one-person band uh, playing a piano or a guitar and singing, or if it's a full band, and there's so many different opportunities and there's some absolutely great like full country rock bands and stuff from our region um that crush it i mean they're so good yeah and and they're fun and they're entertaining and and uh and then and then like the lodge on lake detroit has jazz trios that come in you know so we have a a variety and then the historic homes theater you start adding the shows in that they have um, and that's everything from from country to classic rock stuff to theater uh, presentations like musicals and plays and uh, man I mean it's just for a community our, our size there is so much going on perfect that we have now our Lake Life Weekend uh, yeah. platform to yep. communicate those events and, and have our event schedule yep. No, th- thank you very much um, I think we almost reached uh, an hour here of uh, interview. That was a wonderful time. This I is part one of seven. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe next time I, I get a little live uh, uh, snippet uh, yeah, of you. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming. That yeah. was uh, uh, very insightful. And um, we will communicate your, your shows in the future and probably see you at Longridge or 
uh, wherever you perform. Thank you again for coming. Danke schön. Yeah, bitte, bitte. Danke. <laughs> Danke Ihnen. Uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Yes, you too, Dirk. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com. And uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. <laughs>